Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Wednesday here at the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and what a thrill it is to be able to come to you and and share with you daily the Word of God. We're going to be in Mark chapter number 14. Uh, We just finished off the Lord's Supper, as we're familiar with it in Christian circles, known as the Seder meal for those in the Messianic congregations and of the the old Orthodox Jewish circles, and what what a thrill it is to see what Jesus has to say about about himself as being the the very bread of life that would be broken for us, the very cup of the wine, the fruit of the wine, or as we had talked about yesterday, Berei Peri Hagafen, the fruit of the vine. That, that would be poured out the blood of Jesus for the remission of our sins. So very thrilling uh, and a time, an exciting time to be together. Now we're going to be in Mark fourteen twenty six. We're going to talk about Peter's denial. We're going to look at uh, the events of the arrest of Jesus in the garden and, and a lot of great stuff today. So let us turn to the Lord in prayer, thanking Him for a beautiful opportunity in, in this day to worship Him and then jump right in. Father, we are grateful. We ask thy blessing upon us as we dig into the Word of God once more, that you fill us, Lord, with the fullness of the Spirit in this moment, that the bread of life would satisfy our souls, and that that beautiful well of water would spring up within us and continue to refresh us unto everlasting life. We thank you and praise you for the gift of Jesus this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God, guys, we're going to be starting off Mark chapter number 14 from verse number 26, and we'll be reading down the first section to 31. We're going to be dealing with the the denial of Peter and what Jesus makes known about Peter. Now, a little bit of background on this young man is the fact that Peter is, is one of those uh, more brazen soldiers of the Lord. He, he's the guy that's prepared with the sword to cut the ear of the, the priest's servant off when, when he comes to arrest Jesus. He's the guy that, that's kind of the bull in the china shop. He's, he's very loud. He's always the spokesman. He's, he's ready to challenge anything. And here we're going to find the challenge that Peter makes to Jesus. Jesus and how Jesus responds to it. And so in uh, Mark chapter number 14, beginning in verse number 26, and the scripture says, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, If all of you will be made, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say unto you that today, even this night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me thrice. But he spoke more vehemently, If I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said likewise, now, a little bit of comedy behind this in, in verse number 31 is that they said, they all said likewise. And what, what were they in agreement about? Well, if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. You see, it's it, it, we were just talking about this in our prayer time earlier this morning between the, the different pastors and I, is, it, is that words are cheap. 
And a lot of people tend to express their Christianity through words, but they rarely live their Christianity out in the deeds or the works that they do. And so, as we see in this moment, these guys are making promises that they're not going to keep. These guys are making statements that they're not going to honor. These guys are saying, look, we're willing to die for you, Lord, and so we're not going to turn away from you. We're not going to deny you. And, And this is Peter's stand. He says, Even if all the rest of these guys stumble and run away, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stand and die with you. But look at what Jesus prophesies. Look at what Jesus says is true of them. In verse number 27, he said, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Listen, the, these guys didn't have an option. It, it, the scripture says made to stumble. In other words, this is something that God is going to put into their hearts to bring forth the, the fulfillment of prophecy. They don't have an option but to stumble. They don't have an option but to run because if they don't then they break the scripture you see there's a plan of god afoot here there's a purpose of god in order for for jesus to be recognized as the messiah all scripture references of prophecy must be fulfilled in their order for for him to be recognized and once more we find that even to the minutest detail of of prophecy being fulfilled as Jesus reveals <clears throat> I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered even to the simplicity of this this very small prophecy it has to be done in order for him to be revealed Messiah the Lord and so these guys think that they're going to be able to take a stand. These guys think they're going to be strong enough to to be willing to die, but what they discover is they're not. And and this proves true to Romans chapter number 5 when when Jesus was well through the apostle Paul was saying that for a good man some might consider dying and for for a righteous man some some may may you know, even go through the activity of dying for them, it, but it isn't something that's normal. This isn't something that's likely to happen. The very power of the flesh and self-preservation will overrule the desire for a person to to dive into danger for someone else. Oftentimes, unless you are trained, obviously soldiers in the military are trained with a very harsh and specific training to to really cause themselves to override their the desires of their flesh to go into a fight to go into a battle to return fire when fired upon to to actually fight but that takes a lot of training to actually to to be prepared to have to face that most Christians today have not trained themselves to have to face the difficulties of, of persecution. Most Christians in the United States, I should say, I should narrow that down to just us in the United States who are so very comfortable in our faith and in our freedoms that we don't we don't we're not trained for persecution. We're not ready to have to face a fight. And even these guys during Jesus's time in this in this you know, empire of Rome and in in this battle between their own people concerning the Sanhedrin court as well as the Roman soldiers, these are people who are just not trained to to fight. They're not not ready for this. And so 
when Jesus is about to get arrested, as his prophecy foretells, they're all going to be awoken. They're all going to be in a panic state, not clearly thinking, and they will indeed all scattered, but they are made to do so. It's very important that we understand these words. Jesus said, all of you will be made to stumble. This is something that they're going to do. It doesn't matter if they want to do it or not. It doesn't matter. This is something that they're going to do because this is something that has been prepared. It's been planned by God. They were made to stumble. Why? Because God is going to allow his shepherd to be struck and at that the sheep are going to scatter. And so we find that Peter indeed does stand the watch longer than the rest of them. But even in the midst of Jesus being arrested here in a few minutes, as we shall see, Jesus pleads for Peter, and Peter is is released to run off. And so we find that indeed it fulfills in every way the scripture, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. So let's take a look at that and see where that's actually found. Uh, Zechariah chapter number 13 so at Zechariah of the Old Testament and the prophets, the minor prophets there, in, in chapter number 13, in verse number 7, the scripture says, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who is my companion, says the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. Then I will turn my hand against the little ones." So we find that that indeed Jesus is pointing out that this prophecy is about to be fulfilled, although the disciples didn't quite understand it at the time, as rarely they did understand anything at the time that they were going through it. And and thus Peter would say, I'm going to stand. And then in 31 they said, even if we've got to die, we're not going to deny you. But Jesus said, I'm telling you today, even this night before the rooster crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. <coughs> then we move down to the section of verse number 32, and we're going to find where they end up losing their, their strength from 32 down to 42. In these next 10 verses, we're dealing with the prayer of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is really exciting because had the Romans come at the time that Jesus was making this prophecy in the last verses we were talking about, I think that the disciples would have stood their ground. I think that they would have had more courage to to actually fight. I think that they they probably would have done what they said they were going to do. But what happens is, is that there goes a period of time as Jesus enters into this garden and begins to pray where the disciples become weary in the flesh and they fall asleep. And as they're woken up, they fall asleep again. As they're woken up, they fall asleep again. And at the third time, Jesus just lets them sleep because they just, they, they've grown too weary. Well, when the arrest comes and when Judas comes and kisses the cheek of Jesus, as we'll see also in this time, that the disciples are still discombobulated from being asleep. And so they just woke up in the confusion of a moment and the being surrounded by soldiers and a, a great intensity of fear that would strike their heart. Yeah, a lot of them just tuck tail and run. So we see that Jesus that, that Jesus is true and that indeed God had a prepared plan which made them stumble. 
Verse 32 of Mark chapter 14, it goes on to read, Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little farther and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all these things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and he found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. He then came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. <laughs> A very tough situation that, that happens here is the command. Sit here while I pray. Sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John. Now, the distress that built up within Jesus. Now, I, we get it. Jesus is the Son of God. He is the very uh, power of the Godhead bodily. We understand his his preeminence of all things. We understand his omniscience. He knew what the people were thinking. He knew what was happening in people's hearts. Often he would talk to them or he would answer them according to what was happening in their thoughts as revealed in Scripture. He, he, was, he was the omniscience, which was that knowing, the omnipotence, that power. He, he, he was... He was amazing. He's just Jesus. But in that flesh that he was in, as it was riddled with corruption, now the flesh was riddled with corruption, but Jesus was perfect. And in his perfection, fighting against the nature of his flesh, he is sinless in his perfection as he lived a sinless life without question. You you have this situation where he is troubled, where he comes unto an anxiety, a very deep distress which which is anxiety so if you are out there right now and you are battling especially during this christmas season as it usually often happens you're battling with depression you're battling with anxiety you're having panic attacks even because of the amount of anxiety that you're dealing with about about covid as a year of covid about about how things are working what what families you'll be able to get together what what types of events you'll be able to have how how things are going to respond i mean you're you're built up with all this anxiety understand this that you're you, this is natural you've done nothing wrong to be here you've you've not you've, you it, it's not a failure of faith to, to deal with this anxiety. It's it's a reality. And I, I want to encourage you in this because Jesus himself, as you see in verse number 33, <coughs> he battled with anxiety. He battled with this moment of of deep distress, of of, of deep troubling. And so you're you're not alone 
and, and what you're having to deal with right now and what you're facing is is a reality of of certainly the the nature of the flesh but that it's not some failure that you haven't been faithful it's not some failure that you that you have that you have somehow uh, not been right with God somehow it, it, none of that is true none of it Jesus struggled in this moment of anxiety because he faced the same questions that you face. He faced the, the, the fact that he's going to be arrested and he knows it, but he just isn't sure exactly when it's going to happen. He faces the trial he knows he's going to go through, and he knows it's going to be a false trial, but he has to go through it. He faces the cross. He faces death, and he knows he, ha- he has to go through this. He knows he has to go through it. But he doesn't want to. How many of us being faced with the potential of, of, of an imminent death would actually be willing to, to want to go through that? I mean, none of us would. And all of us would struggle with the anxiety. All of us would struggle with the trouble that would be inside of us. Because we, we would know if we take this step that we could perish it's that anxiety so there's a reality to the struggle you're having today it's called the flesh and jesus dealt with the flesh exactly the same way you do today he dealt with the flesh by surrendering it to god surrendering it to his father and that is what he cried out he's he said to his disciples in 34 he said my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death he the acknowledgement of those that sweat that was as drops of blood is revealed in matthew and luke the very reality of this and the struggle that jesus is going through is revealed through his life and the anxiety that he's dealing with right here is because he knows he's facing death he knows he's facing the trial, that he's facing a, a scourging. He knows he's facing the, the censure of the Sanhedrin. He knows he's he knows he's going to be lied about. He knows he's going to he, he knows that it's going to be false in every way. And yet he has to go through it in order to accomplish the will of his father. He has to go through it. He doesn't want to. There's a lot of things in our lives that we don't want to do. There's a lot of places in our lives that we didn't want to go. There's a lot of challenges in our lives that we didn't want to face. Job did not want to be sitting in those ashes, cutting himself open with the broken pottery and shards of of pottery to relieve the pressure of the sores and and lose his wife and his children and his, and his, his livestock and everything he has. He didn't want to have any of that. Certainly, there's a, a, a heightened level of depression and anxiety that he went through because of all of that. Yet the one thing that Job did is the one thing that Jesus did is the one thing that we need to do if we're going through those feelings right now. And that is simply surrender. Because when we get down to verse number 35, it says he went a little farther and he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And the interesting thing about this hour that is being referred to as the hour that's passing from him it is is that period of time certainly it was longer than an hour approximately 9 hours of 
of difficulty that Jesus had to go through from the initial arrest that he'd gone through, from the initial questioning that would be from Pilate to being sent to uh, the different people that he had to go to in order to be uh, examined and questioned, only to go back to Pilate, and then he had to be beaten, then he had to go before the people with Pilate. So there's, there's approximately nine hours of suffering that Jesus would have to go through before ultimately being nailed on the cross for the for the last three hours of of his life, uh, as concerning the nature of the flesh on this earth, but what we discover is is that the the hour referred to here is that period of time that Jesus knows he's going to have to go through this this struggle, and he's begging God and he, and he's praying that that if it were possible that that God could just take this from him. And the words that he spoke, he says, "All things are possible for you." In other words. If you, God, wanted to deliver me from this period of time where I wouldn't have to go through this, it's entirely possible for you. And yes, it would be possible for God to not have done to Job what God did to Job. It would be possible for God to not have to have done with Jeremiah what he did with Jeremiah, having to walk three years naked on a trade route between uh, Israel and Egypt and, and in the upper regions of that area. There's plenty of things that God could have taken away or not done because he's capable of all things. But then again... There is the plan of God that must be executed, and it must be executed according to God's plan and time and purpose. So we understand that that Jesus is recognizing through his anxiety that indeed if God chose to take this moment from him, that God is perfectly within his power to be able to take it from him, that he wouldn't have to go through it. And that's exactly what he asked for. In verse number 35, as he said, he prayed if it was possible that the hour can pass from him. And as he cried out in 36, he said, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. I mean, he literally just just begged God, begged his father, take this cup away from me. But then you see after that semicolon, he said, nonetheless, or nevertheless, He says, I don't want to have to go through this. I don't want to have to face this. I know what I've got to do, but I don't want to do it. I mean, flat out. There's a lot of times in our lives where we're we're backed into a corner. We know exactly what we need to do in order to to make things right or in order to get things fixed or in order to, 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 you know, do whatever it is we've got to do. We know what we have to do, but the, the reality is we don't want to do it. And so we're faced with this situation where we either do it and get the thing right or get the thing fixed, or we try to to not do it. We try to flank it, go around it, or do it some other way, and, and we end up making things even worse than what they originally were. That's exactly what we experienced back in Genesis chapter number 3 when Adam ate that fruit and he and Eve, when their eyes were open, as it reveals in verse number 7, and they noticed that they were naked, instead of confession to God right up front saying, we, we messed up, we did this thing you told us not to do, instead of doing that, they actually tried to cover themselves with fig leaves and then they tried to hide from God like 
that was possible. And so we see that that oftentimes when we're faced with a situation of having to fix something that we've broken or having to apologize for something that we've done wrong or having to to correct an error that, that we've acknowledged to be an error, oftentimes we don't want to do the thing that is required of us to do. We want to figure out some other way around it so that we can mitigate the blame to ourselves, or so that we can mitigate the 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 connection of ourselves to whatever it is and that's that that's really what we kind of hear coming out of Jesus in this second in this moment where he says take this cup away from me where he says if it were possible that you this hour could pass from me because nobody in their right mind would want to go through the sufferings that Jesus is going to have to go through. Nobody in their right mind would want to have to deal with the, with the censure and the and the and the lies and the and the falsehoods that are being spoken about them. I mean, nobody wants to have to go through this. And so Jesus is actually revealing the fact that he's well attuned and and and, and well accustomed to the nature of his flesh because he's battling with this within himself. The very nature of him as God is battling with the nature of him that is man, and and in that collide, in that clash or collision, that is that is happening here. The statement comes out: "Not what I will, but what you will. Not what I will, but what you will." Then he he stops his prayers. You see this in verse number thirty-seven. There's this moment where he just stops. And he gets up, and oftentimes I think about this this section of Scripture because it's this definitive break. He, he came and found them sleeping. So it means that wherever Jesus was, and of course in other Scriptures of, of Matthew and Luke, you'll see that when, when Jesus was saying this prayer, when, it, when he had Peter, James, and John separated from the other disciples, then he separated himself from Peter, James, and John as it was a stone's throw away from them. So as he's praying this between verse 36 and 37, he's stops his prayer at but what you will and he gets up and he walks back over and and he finds Peter, James and John. He finds them sleeping. Now he isn't dealing with the other disciples. They're further back. They're they're not as connected to Jesus as these particular 3, 4 if you consider Andrew. <clears throat> but but these particular 3, Peter, James and John, these these are the closest to Jesus. These are the ones that he he pretty much, Jesus, took with him everywhere and did everything with. And so you, you'll find that he, he stops and he comes back and he finds them. And I wonder to myself, as while he was praying with the anxiety of his heart under the Lord, talking about his Father's will, that within him he senses they're sleeping. He senses that they're not watching like he told them. They're not they're not praying like he told them. And and he knows their hearts. He knows their connection with him as well as his connection with God. And so at this moment he says, Not my will, but thine be done, O Lord, stops, gets up, walks back, and asks two rhetorical questions. First rhetorical question. He says, Simon, of course, we're talking about Peter at this point, but he calls him by his Hebrew name, not the name that Jesus had given him. Remember all the way back at the very beginning of this, when he calls Peter to become a disciple, he says, your name is Simon, son of Jonah, but you shall be known as Peter, and and which is interpreted a, a, a stone. So we understand that, that at this point, he's gone back to his Hebrew name, and he says, Simon, 
Are you sleeping? Wait a minute. This is the guy who said, if all the rest of them stumble, I'm not going to stumble. I'm going to stand the watch. And if everybody else quits on you, I'm not going to quit on you. I'm going to fight to the end. I'm ready to die for you. And then he comes back and he says, are you sleeping? (laughs) Is this the same guy who said he was on my side? Is this the same guy who said he was going to stand the watch with me? Is this the same guy who said he was ready to die for me? And here you are napping? And then he asked another question. He said, couldn't you just watch for one hour? I mean, you think about that song that we sing and and, sweet hour of prayer. (laughs) It's a beautiful song. But how how many of you out there in the listening audience right now, I mean, just just send in your comments and you're connected to the podcast, uh, rather by Apple or, or Google or Spotify, whatever it is, you're connected to this podcast. Praise God. Send me an email. Get get the email address at preacherscorner2020 at gmail.com. Just send me an email and let me know if you've ever spent the length of time to pray for a solid hour. Have you have you devoted yourself to a point where you are prepared to pray for an hour? Now, Jesus, when he separates himself from these disciples that stones throw away, he's literally talking about an hour in this moment because Jesus has been gone for an hour praying unto God. And, and when he comes back, he says, can't you watch for one hour? I mean, is it asking too much for you to be vigilant for an hour? Then... Then the situation goes on because Jesus is is frustrated. You see, in in the voice of Jesus, he's dealing with this anxiety. He's dealing with this deep distress, this troubled heart, and so he's he's frustrated at his disciples, and reasonably so. By the way, this is not sinful. This isn't Jesus somehow entering into sin. It's not the case at all. There's plenty of times when people have let you down and you've been frustrated with them. It it doesn't mean that you've committed sin against them or against God because you're frustrated with them. Praise God, if you've taught them what they need to do and you've given them the explanation of how to do it, then you would expect that a people would do it. You would expect that they would be able to, to handle it, especially after they followed you for these three years of your life and they've been with you when you woke up. They've been with you when you went to sleep. They follow you everywhere you've gone. They've received of your teachings. They've, they've understood your expectations. I mean, this level of connection that these three disciples, above all the other disciples that would follow Jesus, that these three disciples, even above the overall 12, which are now 11 in number at this point, but these three should be able to watch. These three should be able to take the, the, the stand. And so you can understand the frustration that, that Jesus is dealing with and how that, that frustration can can battle alongside of the anxiety. So a lot of you out there that 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 have uh, different battles with anxiety. Let's say you you have a, a struggle with depression, and then then you get frustrated about something, and that frustration couples onto that depression, and it makes it even deeper. Or you're you're anxious about something, and then you hear, uh, you know, you're 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 trying to go through the bills, let's say, and and you're anxious about getting a, the ability to pay these bills, and then the kids in in the living room, you're sitting at the dining room table, and it's connected to the living room, and the kids in the living room they're playing they're playing and you're 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 trying to figure out how to make everything work and then you hear a crash bang and and something falls because they were playing and they knock something over you become 
like lit up frustrated immediately and now you're fussing at them stop stop everything you're doing go to your room i mean and a lot of that is not normally how you would respond i mean normally if you weren't under such intense anxiety and you weren't under such intense depression uh, of dealing with these things like these bills what it, like Jesus death he's dealing with the imminent death that he's about to have to face the torture he's about to have to go through and the lies about to be told about him and then you have these disciples who are supposed to be doing something they know how to do it they know what they're supposed to be doing and and they just fall asleep on the job <laughs> I mean, you can understand the frustration of Jesus as he comes and he says, watch and pray. Just just watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. And what Jesus says right here is so powerful for us to receive today. He said, you know what? Your Your spirit indeed is willing you know, these guys, they, they acknowledge Jesus as their Messiah. They followed Jesus for these three years, regardless of what the Pharisees had to say and the scribes and the Sadducees. They they they, they respected Jesus. In fact, I mean, out of Peter's mouth, when when, he, when many of the disciples that, that used to follow him wouldn't follow him anymore at that teaching of the bread of life in John chapter 6, it was Peter who said, Who else are we going to turn to? You are the one that has the words of eternal life. He said, I don't understand everything you're saying, but there's no one else to turn to. You're the Messiah. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God, he would say in Matthew chapter 16. And so you find that that these guys would would be indeed in their spirit, willing to die for Jesus. Without question, these guys in their spirit are indeed willing. Everything that they said above, which is why we can't be very hard on these guys, everything that they said above in their willingness to follow Jesus and their willingness to serve Jesus is true. Their spirit indeed is connected to Christ and they would in spirit do whatever it took. Whatever grease the mill required, they would would do in order to serve Jesus. But there's another part of them called the flesh. <laughs> and this is true with us today. There's another part with them called the flesh, and it is weak. And Jesus is acknowledging the weakness of his flesh. Jesus is dealing with the weakness of his own flesh in this moment where the Spirit of God is leading Jesus into the strength of having to face this torment, into the strength of having to face this censure of having to face these this, this scourgings that he's going to have to face, ultimately having to face being nailed to a cross and, and, and killed in the most excruciating of, of manners. I mean, Jesus, Jesus in his spirit is so prepared to have to deal with what he's got to deal with because Jesus in his spirit understands he is the Lamb of God. It's the offering of God for the sin of mankind. Jesus gets it. But Jesus also is connected to the flesh. No doubt Jesus has burned his finger before. Jesus has received a cut before. He's got a bruise on his knees before. He, he he's, he's gotten hit before. He's fallen down before. He's tripped. I mean, come on. He's in the flesh. And that flesh in its pain is so weak because the flesh in its feelings will fall apart on you. And so there's a great challenge between our flesh and what it wants and how weak it really is from our spirit. There are a lot of things that we would want to do for the Lord. There are a lot of things that we would want to 
to say. There are a lot of ways that we would want to live, but we often don't find ourselves living those ways, saying those things, and doing those works because our flesh doesn't like that. It doesn't want to go that way. So we find that that challenge that is revealed in Romans chapter number 7 of the things that I would want to do are often the things I find myself not doing, but the things that I don't want to do are the things I often find myself doing. Oh, wretched man that I am. And so we find that Jesus is, is, is challenging these guys in verse 38 because he's saying, what in the world? He's saying, can't you just watch with me for one one hour, and then he goes to explain to them that the reason why they're falling asleep is because their flesh is weak. If they were connected in spirit, they would stand the watch. They would respect the, the hour, but their flesh is so weak that, that it overpowers the spirit, and they're not capable. But by the way, it's also necessary for this to take place so that they are weary in their flesh, so that when they when the time comes to stumble, that they are easily made to stumble so that the prophecy can be fulfilled. And then you get down to this point where where you see that, that Jesus goes away again and it says he went and prayed and spoke the same words. So in verse number 39 is actually a repetition of what he would say in verses 35 and 36. As he goes back away from the disciples, he's woke them up, he's, he's fussed at them, he's dealt with them, he's frustrated with them, he goes back over, he drops to his knees and he said, if it's possible, take this moment from me. He says, because it's... It, all things are possible for you, and we recognize this with God in our spirit. We know that all things are possible with God. It's just in our flesh. We doubt a lot of the things of God. You know, the scripture would, would also go on to say, if, if a person would ask anything in the name of Jesus believing, then they will have it. Of course, we understand that the connection of that asking would be according to the will of God. If those things that I'm asking for are, are definitely in the will of God to be received, then there's no question that, that they will happen because that, that is God's plan moving forward in your life. However, oftentimes we, we tend to believe what the Word of God says with our spirit. We connect with that and we say, just like we're reading right now, we believe these things, we see what's happening here, and so we agree with the things that we see in the Word of God. But then when we walk away from this moment that we're listening to this podcast or watching this broadcast, we walk away from the Word of God before us, and we actually have to go out in the world and live this. It's a whole nother matter. It's a whole nother matter entirely. Because because it, it comes into a realm of the flesh where we, we've got to we've got to make the flesh obey the spirit in the doing of what the word of God has just revealed to us or in the living of what the word of God just revealed to us. And 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 so the flesh is weak, it doesn't want to do a lot of the things that you discover in God's word. The flesh is not interested in it at all. And the spirit has to overrule the flesh in order to accomplish the work of God because if the flesh takes precedence over the spirit, you're not going to get anything done for the Lord. And that's the challenge that these disciples are having to face. And it's also the challenge that we have to face in our own personal lives all the time. 
And so it is revealed in verse number 39, again, he went away and prayed and spake the same words uh, that we've just gone over in verses 35 and 36. And then, then it comes down to verse number 40. It says he returned. He returns. What does he find? He finds them sleeping again. So he walks away and approximately, I'm assuming that it's another hour, that he comes back and, and they were asleep again. Why? Because the flesh is weak. Their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to answer him. That There is no answer. When he asked him, why are you sleeping? Can't you just watch for an hour? There's no words to be able to explain why. Their spirit, they fully were prepared to stay up for that hour. They fully were prepared to, to watch with him. They, they wanted to do this. They wanted to be obedient. They, there's no question in my soul that these disciples really wanted to honor Jesus. They wanted to do what Jesus told them to do. But their flesh was so weak that it just couldn't do it. They just couldn't do it. No matter how much they wanted to do this, they just couldn't do it. And you know why they couldn't do it? Is because they did not they did not bring their flesh under subjection of the Spirit of God. And guys, there's a lot of things that we would love to do. I mean, I, there's people that I talk to, and every week I see them uh, throughout the week, and every week they're telling me, oh, I'm, I'm going to make it to church. I'm going to come to church. I'm going to be there this week. And and then a week goes by, and they're not at church. And then they they see me again. And I think it's it's one of those things where they're burdening their soul because they told me they were going to do something. They didn't do it, which is hypocrisy. So they, oh, I'm coming to church. I'm definitely going to come to church. I'm definitely going to be there this week. And then another week goes by, and they haven't come to church. And so the, there's a continual repetition. Finally, I just tell them, please don't tell me you're going to come to church this week. Just please don't tell me. Because I understand that their spirit may be willing to come. They may indeed want to come. That Their spirit may very well be willing, but their flesh is governing their life. Their flesh is governing their their activities, their flesh is governing their their sleeping habits, their flesh is in control of everything. And because it is so weak, though in spirit they would want to be with you, in flesh it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. There's so many people I know that, that don't serve the Lord, but they want to serve the Lord, that don't read their Bible, but they want to read their Bible, that don't pray, but they know they need to pray, that don't do, they don't do, but they know they need to, is because their spirit is con convicting them. They know they need to be doing this, but their flesh is just against it. Their flesh is weak and refuses to do it. You've got to overcome your flesh, and that's what... Revelations chapter 2 and 3 is all about those who overcome to them receive these blessings. It's overcoming the power of the flesh, which it's interesting because the flesh is weak, but it's a powerful weakness. It's powerfully weak. <laughs> you know, the addictions of the flesh as concerning rather eating habits or as concerning drinking habits and alcohol or as concerning drugs or as concerning uh, pleasures of the flesh and, and, and links to pornography and those things, the addictions of the flesh. The flesh is so weak that it succumbs to these addictions, but the weakness is so powerful that you can't escape it outside of a deliverance from God. And it takes that, because the weakness is actually very powerful. 
And if you don't acknowledge that, you'll never do anything for God because you'll remain in the power of the weakness of your flesh instead of being empowered by the Spirit of God. And you'll live a life of conviction and you'll, you'll be bitter in the end. You'll be an empty, bitter soul. And it comes down, it says, He went away and prayed and spake the same words and returned and found them asleep again for their eyes were heavy and they did not know what to answer him. A third time. So when you ask me, well, when does it say a third time? Right there in 41. A third time he came to them and said to them, Are you still sleeping? I mean, to Jesus, this is just the height of frustration for him. And and rightfully so. You can You can see it. Are you still sleeping? Are you still resting? Oh, Jesus. He says, it's enough. The hour's come, and I'm to be betrayed. Get up. Get up. The hour's come. You've missed it. You've missed it. Father, we ask and pray that blessing upon us today. Help us in the weakness of our flesh to be able to overcome that by the power of your Spirit. Help us not to miss it today. Help us to receive of thy word the richness of of this moment. And in connection with the Spirit, rejoice the rest of this day. Surrender the rest of this day to our Lord Jesus. Forgive us, Lord, where we have come short. And help us, Lord, to, to be renewed in spirit as well as in heart that we may be your servants, and that we may be able to keep the watch for one hour with you. Bless us in Jesus' name this day. Amen. All right, guys, as as we continue on uh, tomorrow, we're going to be dealing with the betrayal. We're going to be dealing with the arrest of Jesus, a lot of great stuff from there as well. So hang with me. Really exciting times going through the life of Jesus here in the Gospel of Mark. And we'll see you tomorrow. So may God bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. Take care.